Welcome to the Hackberry House of Chosun. My name is Bob, and I'm reading today from a sermon that was once preached by Charles Spurgeon. This message is from a collection of Spurgeon messages created by Perry Boardman, known as Spurgeon's Gems. Today's message is from volume one of that collection. It's number 48. It's part two, and the final part of a message about chastisement. He's talked about three ways that we despise the chastening of the Lord. And now the fourth way, we despise the chastening of the Lord when we do not earnestly seek to amend by it. Many a man has been corrected by God, and that correction has been in vain. I've known Christian men who have committed some sin. and God, by the rod, would have shown them the evil of that sin. They have been smitten and seen the sin and never afterwards corrected it. That is despising the chastening of the Lord. When a father chastises a son for anything he has done, and the boy does it again directly, it shows that he despises his father's chastening. And so have we seen Christians who have had an error in their lives, and God has chastened them on account of it, but they've done it again. Ah, you'll remember there was a man named Eli, God chastened him once when he sent Samuel to tell him dreadful news, that because he had not reproved his children, those children would be destroyed. But Eli kept on the same as ever. He despised the chastening of the Lord, although his ears were made to tingle. And in a little while God did something else for him. His sons were taken away, and then it was too late to mend, for the children were gone. The time he might have reformed, his character had passed away. How many of you get chastened of God and do not hear the rod? There are many deaf souls that do not hear God's rod. Many Christians are blind and cannot see God's purposes. And when God would take some folly out of them, the folly is still retained. It is not every affliction that benefits the Christian. It is only a, a sanctified affliction. It is not every trial that purifies an air of light. It's only a trial that God himself sanctifies by his grace. Take heed, if God is trying you, that you search and find out the reason. Are the consolations of God small with you? Then there is some reason for it. Have you lost that joy you once felt? There's some cause for it. Many a man would not have half so much suffered if he would but look to the cause of it. I've sometimes walked a mile or two, almost limping along because there was a stone in my shoe and I didn't stop to look for it. And many a Christian goes limping for years because of the stones in his shoe. But if he would only stop to look for them, he would be relieved. What is the sin that is causing you pain? Get it out. Take away the sin, for if you do not, you have not regarded this admonition which speaks to you as unto sons. My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord. Once more, and then we will pass away from that part of the subject. We despise the chastening of the Lord when we despise those that God chastens. You say, poor old Mrs. So-and-so. The last seven years she's been bedridden. What's the good of her in the church? Would it not be a mercy if she were dead? 
We always have to be keeping her, one and another giving her charities. Really, what's the good of her? Many will go to see her and, and they'll say, well, she is a very good sort of woman, but it would be a happy release if she were taken. They mean it would be a, a happy release for them, as they would not have to give her anything. But mark you, if you think little of those whom God is chastising, you are despising the God who chastens them. There's another man, and he frequents the house of God, but he comes there in much affliction, much pain. Ah, uh, you think that weakness of body incapacitates him from being of service to the church. If he is called upon to pray, there's a sweet brokenness of spirit about his prayer, but there is not that pointedness and warmth that we could desire. And some will say, when they are walking home, Brother so-and-so, he's always melancholy and always dealing with the gloomy side of the word of God. I don't hardly like to talk to him. I'd rather mix with the cheerful and the lighthearted and, and those Christians who are happy on the Mount of Assurance. I don't think I shall walk home with him. He's so miserable, makes one feel so dull to be in his company. My son, my son, you're despising the chastened ones of the Lord. That man's being chastened. Be sure and keep his company. For though you do not know it, beneath the habiliments of mourning, he wears a garment of light. There is more in those chastened ones very often than there is in any one of us. Now, I can speak from experience. The most tried children of God have been those that I have picked up the most from. Sometimes I, I go and see a poor much-tried countryman that I've told you about. You remember one saying of him, depend upon it. If you or I get an inch above the ground, we get that inch too high. Well, I heard another the other day, and, and I'll give it to you. I've been troubled, he said, with that old devil lately, and, and I could not get rid of him for a long while, until at last, after he had been conjuring up all my sins and bringing them all before my remembrance, I said to him, You rascal, you! Did not I transfer all my business to Jesus Christ long ago, bad debts and all? What business have you to bring them here? I laid them all on Christ. I made a transfer of the whole concern to him. Go, tell my master about them. Don't come troubling me. Well, I thought that was not so bad. It was pretty rough, but it was gloriously true, and I've thought many times of it. We transferred the whole bad debts and all to Christ. He took the whole concern, the whole stock, and everything. All our sins were given up into the hands of Jesus, so why need we be troubled? When Satan and conscience come, we will tell them to go to our master. He will settle all the accounts with them. Do not be ashamed to talk with the chastised ones. Shun them not because of their poverty. I would walk with a true saint if he had a ragged coat and a hat without a crown. Roman numeral 2, the second evil, upon which we shall have to be rather more brief, is this. Nor faint when you are rebuked of him. We, on the one hand, must not despise it and say, I care not for the rod and act like the stoic. On the other hand, we should not faint and give up everything because the Lord pleases to correct us in a measure and to chastise us in love. 
There are two or three different ways whereby we may faint under the afflicting hand of God. The first way of fainting is when we give up all exertion under the rod. You understand what I mean better than I can describe it to you, for you have seen some such. I must give you a picture. I I cannot tell you what I mean unless I do. There's a, a good woman there. Um, she always attended the house of God regularly. She strove for her master. She was busy in the Sabbath school. The distribution of tracts. Every other way. Suddenly, she lost that excellent gift, the fullness of assurance. Her faith began to totter, and she now trembles and fears lest she is not accepted in the Beloved. And do you know what she has done? She's given up going to the house of God. She's given up attendance at the Sabbath school. She does just nothing for her master at all. And if you ask her why it is, she says that God's hand is heavy on her, and she cannot do anything. She's given it up. She's like a person in a fainting fit that cannot move. She's motionless. She does nothing. Many I have known in this state. Because they cannot enjoy all the comfort they wished, they will not do anything. I've seen some with eyes starting from their sockets who've said to me, Oh, I'm under such horror of darkness. So terribly am I afflicted. I've lost all evidence of Christianity. I, I never was a child of God. I must give it all up. I cannot keep on. I faint under it. I can do no more. Though I go to God's house, I, I feel as, as if I could not pray. As for singing, I dare not. I dare not read my Bible. I, I think I must give it up. My son, faint not when you are corrected of him. God does not like sulky children. <laughs> there are many of his children fainting out of pure sulkiness and nothing else. Because God does not please to do as they like, well, they'll do nothing at all. I must be the top sawyer, says he, and I will not be at the bottom to shove the saw up. If I cannot be where I like, I will be nowhere at all. We have many of these. Because they have to be shaft horses now and then, they will not pull. If they could always be in front and wear the ribbons, it would be well. But when they have to go behind everybody, they, they jib, as you say, and, and they will not go at all. Instead of fainting, we should go forward when we have the lash. We should say, Am I smitten? I will turn to the hand that smote me. Did my father strike me? Then I will take care by more ardent duty that he does not strike me again, and I will go my way the more swiftly and, and get away from the rod. Does he send a cross every day out of love to me? I will seek to work all the more. And so, if it be possible, I shall have my prayer fulfilled. Forgive my debts. Pardon my transgressions. Again, the man faints when he doubts whether he is a child of God under chastisement. Too many of the children of God have the blow of the Father's rod, and they at once conclude that they are not the Father's children at all. Like one of old, they say, If it be so, why am I thus? They forget that it is through much tribulation that they must enter the kingdom of heaven and unmindful that there is not a son whom the Father does not chasten. You're saying this morning, I cannot be a child, or I should not be in poverty and distress. Talk not thus foolishly. That trial is more a proof of adoption than it is that you are not his. Remember the passage, if we be not partakers of chastisement, then are we illegitimate and not sons. 
Say not he has forgotten you, but look upon your trial as a proof of his love. Cecil once called to see his friend William, and the servant said he could not see him because he was in great trouble. Then I would rather see him, said Cecil, and, and William's hearing it was, was his old pastor, said, show him up. So up he went, and there stood poor William, his eyes suffused with tears, his heart almost broken, his dear child was dying. Thank God, said Cecil. I've been anxious about you for some time. You've been so prosperous and successful in everything that I was afraid my father had forgotten you, but I know he recollects you now. I do not wish to see your child full of pain and dying, but I am glad to think my father has not forgotten you. And three weeks after that, William could see the truth of it, though it seemed a harsh saying by fur at first. Again, many persons faint by fancying that they shall never get out of their trouble. Three long months, says one, have I striven against this sad trouble which overwhelms me, and I've been unable to escape it. For this year, says another, I've wrestled with God in prayer that, that he would deliver me out of this whirlpool, but deliverance has never come, and I'm almost inclined to give the matter up. I thought he kept his promises and would deliver those who called upon him, but he has not delivered me now, and he never will. What? Child of God, talk thus of your father? Say he will never leave off smiting because he has afflicted you so long? Rather say, he must have smitten me long enough now, and I shall soon have deliverance. If a man is in the wood and cannot see his way out, he goes straight on, for he thinks he shall come out some day or other. And if he is wise, he'll climb the highest tree he can find in order to discover the right way. That is how you should do. Climb one of the promises, and you will see the other side of the wood with all the sweet fields, beyond where you shall feed in green pastures and lie down under your Savior's guidance. Say not you cannot escape. The fetters on your hands may not be broken by your feeble fingers, but the hammer of the Almighty can break them in a moment. Let them be laid on the anvil of providence and be smitten by the hand of omnipotence, and then they shall be scattered to the winds. Up, man, up! Like Samson, grasp the pillars of your troubles and pull down the house of your affliction about the heads of your sins, and you shall yourself come out more than conqueror. Well, I had intended to finish up by referring you to the succeeding verses, but instead of doing so, let me ask, what son is there whom the Father chastens not? You ministers of God who preach the gospel, is there amongst your ranks one son whom his Father chastens not? Unanimously, they will reply, we all have been chastened. You holy prophets who testified God's word with the Holy Ghost from heaven, is there one amongst your number whom God chastened not? Abraham, Daniel, Jeremiah, Isaiah, Malachi, answer. And unanimously you cry, there is not one among us whom the Father chastens not. You kings, you chosen ones, you Davids and you Solomons, is there one in your high and lofty ranks who has escaped chastisement? Answer, David. Were you not obliged to cross the brook Kidron in the darkness? 
Answer, Hezekiah, did you not spend the letter and spread it before the Lord? Jehoshaphat, answer, had not you your cross when your ships were broken that were sent to Tarshish for gold? Oh, you starry hosts above, translated out of the reach of the trials of this world, is there one amongst you whom the Father chastened not? No, not one. There's not one in heaven whose back was unscarred by the chastening rod if he attained to the age when he needed it. The infant alone escapes, flying at once from his mother's breast to heaven. There is one more whom I will ask, the Son of God, the Son par excellence, the chief of all the family. You, Son of God incarnate, did you escape the rod? Son without sin, were you a son without punishment? Were you chastised? Hark! The hosts of earth and heaven reply, the church militant and triumphant answer, the chastisement of our peace was it upon him. He suffered. He bore the cross. He endured the curse as well as any of us. Yea, more. He endured ten thousandfold more chastisement than any of us can by any possibility endure. My son, despise not thou the chastening of the Lord, neither faint when thou art rebuked of him. In closing, let me ask those who are afflicted and have no religion where they get their comfort from. The Christian derives it from the fact that he is a son of God, and he knows that the affliction is for his good. Where do you get comfort from? It has often puzzled me how poor, tried worldlings get on. I can somewhat guess how they can be happy when the glass is full, when hearts are glad and joyous, when hilarity and mirth sparkle in their eyes, when the board is covered and the family is well. But what does the worldling do when he loses his wife? when his children are taken away, when his health departs, and he himself is nigh unto death. I leave him to answer. All I can say is I wonder every day that there are not more suicides, considering the troubles of this life and how few there are that have the comforts of religion. Poor sinner, even if there were no heaven and hell, I would recommend to you this religion, for even if only in this life we had hope, we should be of all men most happy, really, in our spirits, although we might seem to be of all men most miserable. I tell you, if we were to die like dogs, if there were no second world, so happy does the Christian religion make the heart that it were worthwhile having it for this life alone. The secularist who thinks of this world only is, is a fool, for not thinking of Christianity, for it confers a benefit in this world as well as in that which is to come. It makes us bear our troubles. What would break your backs are only feathers to us. What would destroy your spirits are to us light afflictions which are but for a moment. We find light enough in our hearts in the depth of darkness. Where you find darkness, we have light. And where you have light, we have the brilliance of the sun. May God put you in the number of his saved family. And then, if he chastens you, I ask whether you will not think his rod light when compared with that sword which you deserve to have smitten you dead. God give you, if you are chastened now, that you may be chastened and not killed, and that you may be chastened with the righteous and not condemned.
with the wicked. Amen. Thank you for being with us today, and I know you enjoyed this message from Charles Spurgeon. And do look around the site. We have hundreds of other messages from him and many other preachers, along with teachings and persecution stories from North Korea in English and Korean, Bible studies on a number of subjects. We've got a blog. And if you want more fellowship than that, just consider buying one of my books at Amazon.com. Just put my name in after you've gone there. Or contact me at bob.j.faulkner.72 at gmail.com. Now, Faulkner is F-A-U-L-K-N-E-R. I'd like to share details of our Saturday evening Zoom meeting for men, our Tuesday noon meeting for men and women. I think you'll be blessed if you'll check that out. Well, this is the Hackberry House of Chosun, and this audio is being released on the 8th of March, 2023. And, uh, well, we hope to talk again real soon. Bye-bye.